For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And nice to have you back. Uh, after Good to be back. Traveling and recuperating. Um, tonight, tonight, we usually do a bit of a chat at the beginning um, on entrepreneurial stories, but we have one big story that we're going to get to in just a second. This evening on the program, we're going to talk about uh, spas and beauty with uh, Victor and Richard from Intercouple Spa, popular business around the decay area and uh, later uh, in the show we'll be speaking with a mission Mayette HR consultant on culture and conflict resolution in the workplace uh, but first uh, as you know Josh of course we've been following the story very closely over the last uh, few weeks uh, this is the the big tax changes coming for entrepreneurs the federal liberal government uh, says it will lower small business tax rates to 10% in January and 9% in 2019 uh, this is a uh, an effort to um, I suppose stem some of the uh, or avoid some of the criticism uh, after these small business tax changes. The the uh, small business tax rate currently at ten point five percent. So again, dropping to ten percent in uh, in January and then nine in twenty nineteen. And uh, joining us in studio now is Nick Moretis, tax partner at FL. Uh, Josh, Nick, uh, your thoughts on on the government move here? Well, the, there's no question that there was some backpedaling. There's no question that when they came out with July eighteenth, the onslaught of commentary. Uh, scathing commentary from so many different associations, organizations, entrepreneurs, uh, certainly made them think a little bit and, and came back with, with some adjustments to their proposals, but not completely. So we'll turn to Nick and we'll get right into the meat of it, uh, at least some of it. And Nick, I guess that there's a few areas that they've slightly adjusted their thinking on. So let's kind of hit them one at a time. Uh, th there's no question, Dan just started talking about uh, the, the reduction in the small business rate. That's something that's kind of new when they, they came out to it with it. Maybe we can start it, there. It looks like they backpedaled a bit. Um, there was no discussion of reducing the small business tax rate. Now they're saying, well, we weren't going to do it until we looked at everything else about private corporations. So, uh, Dan, you're right. Um, it goes to 10% January 1st, 2018, and falls to 9% a year later, January 1st, 2019. So a business here in Quebec is going to be looking to pay uh, 18% as of next year, and uh, if my math is correct, 17% the year after. However, in Quebec, if you don't have uh, more than, it works out to about three employees, you, you will be paying a higher rate. So it's really uh, a proposal that's, a f that's supposed to uh, help small businesses grow. It gives them extra cash to pay down debt, buy equipment, hire employees. The, but what this seems to be going is that there were several proposals that they, they came at, uh, the government came at. Um, so this is a little bit of a gimme. So the average Canadian private corporation business, according to the government documents here, is earns about $100,000 worth of profit pre-tax. So if they're saving a 1.5%, eventually it'll be about $1,500 worth of annual tax savings. I guess the, I guess they're going back to their their original platform. You know that the, the, there was supposed to be reduction in rates over time, so they're kind of bringing it in almost after the fact. That's right, and and they're they're, they're trying to appease, I guess, the the, the small smaller businesses because there is 
Um, I mean, the, the, those, those businesses usually are the ones that are undercapitalized. Uh, you know, they're like we've had p- people on the show where you had to borrow from family and friends to get into the business, et cetera. So that's what these lower tax rates are, are designed to do. So in addition to the lower tax rates, which is a bit of news today, yeah. then there's also the other items, some of the other proposed changes that they've they've they're adjusting, they're modifying. Uh, again, let's kind of let's touch on so, them one at a time. Income sprinkling. So the income in- there was income sprinkling, the lifetime capital gains exemption, um, converting income into capital gains, and then the discussion regarding uh, uh, investment income earned by uh, Canadian private corporations. So on the income splitting, uh, they're still maintaining the, the 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 principle that we want to limit the amount of income that can be paid to family members. But now what they seem to be saying is what was verbally said, and I can't quite find it in the written documents, is if the family member is not at all involved in the business, then any monies paid to them will be taxed at the top tax rate, regardless if it's a dollar or a million dollars. It doesn't matter. So that's automatically top rate. What isn't clear is what happens if you are working in the business and then to what degree. And the current rules that came out with the proposed rules made it very, very difficult. And and the, and the scary part was, as we were talking to people, is if you started a business when you were a young man, like uh, our, our guest tonight who was, uh, who's been in business for 40 years, and if you decide today I want to retire, take it easy, and my children are taking over, well, technically, according to the rules, you've just gone from being a good shareholder who can get whatever you want from the company to being a bad shareholder. You shouldn't be getting paid anything for it unless you work for it, and yet you started the business. And that's how the rules were so complicated. So we're hoping to see them narrow down the definition, make it a lot simpler, and make it a lot uh, less of a challenge between the business owner and the Canada Revenue Agency in in terms of discussing things. How does a uh, how does a government how does the Revenue Canada establish uh, who's really quote unquote working at the business, who's part time? I mean, it seems to ha- it seems hard to place that kind of thing. Well, the, the, well, this uh, I mean, aside from uh, sh- asking the receptionist, sh- show me where. Mr. and Mrs. Uh, spouses and, 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 and all that. But if the family is in there, I mean, you can usually, if they're a director, you'll know. If they're a signing authority, you know. If they're, the child is doing something in, in the business, they can see. They can, they can determine job descriptions, uh, emails, etc. That becomes difficult. Where it becomes really difficult, though, is, Dan, I can determine what you do in your work. How much are you worth? So if I think you're worth a lot less than what you think you are worth, then we're into a battle. So you're going to be asking a judge to make that decision. Mm. So that's the income sprinkling. Yeah, and 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 there's there's no question that it's going to be a question of fact, but there's going to be a lot of gray zone. That's so right. let's go to capital, capital gains, gains exemption. exemption. Well, if I understand this correctly, they're backing off on the limitation of the capital gains exemption. The original proposal said, well, the only capital gain exemption we think is justifiable is is to the founder, to the CEO, the man or the woman running the business. Everybody else in the family, uh, unless you're also very important in the family, do not deserve getting the capital gains exemption. And if you try to get it, we will tax you in an an inordinate manner. Uh, which led to many cases double tax. They seem to have been backing off because there has been a lot of unintended consequences by saying that. If a shareholder is not going to get a capital gain and get a capital gains exemption, it's going to be taxed as something else. There's a lot of things can, that can happen to a shareholder. What about the structures that exist today where you have that 15-year-old as a shareholder well, and it's the, going to be 18 eventually? That we don't know. There'll be more information coming out um, this week, we hear. Uh, so far, has been what we heard uh, on, on the news conference that came out around noon today and some brief documentation in here. Um, the other item was uh, capital gains and converting they seem to have uh, uh, recognized that there's a lot of unintended consequences with what they with the, what they wrote. 
Uh, so they may be looking at it to avoid double taxation, which is inherent in what they wrote, and what I call retroactive taxation as well. Uh, the fact that they couldn't figure this out before writing it, and we pay a lot of people to be very smart in finance and justice, scares me as a, as a taxpayer that you know, they didn't think this through and they waited for us. The other area which they haven't spoken to, but I'm, 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 I'm thinking that and the way they, they mentioned the, the d decrease in the small business rate is the, uh, the taxation of investment income in private corporations. So what they're still not happy about is that if you did now pay, as I said, in two years' time, here in Quebec, it'll be a 17% tax rate. That's 83 cents left over to do something. If you don't want to invest it in your business or if your business doesn't need the money, then fine. You're going to pay it into a holding company and use that money to invest in the stock market, to invest in real estate, to do something else, which they're not interested in uh, letting you have those 83, 83 cents. What is going to happen there, we're not sure yet. I know they came up with ideas in, in July 18. They didn't discuss it uh, on this time around, but I'm getting the feeling that they keep saying that we're reducing the rate to help businesses grow, create jobs. We're not reducing the rate so you can store more cash in your holding company for your retirement. So there's going to be there's going to be more fun coming. But that that question of in, that question of intent is also a big gray zone, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of commentary and Absolutely. backlash from that yeah. one. All right, we'll continue to follow this as we go along. And coming up next, our profile for the evening: Victor, Susana, and Richard Zilber of Intercoupula Spa. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, uh, let's introduce our guests. We have Victor Susana and Richard Zilber of Intercoupe Le Spa. Uh, Victor and Richard, welcome to CJD. Thank you. Good evening. Thank you. So first question is the easiest. Uh, what do you do for a living? Tell us about Intercoupe Spa. Intercoupe was created 40 years ago uh, for servicing men to start with. I wanted to create a place where people feel comfortable to come in and give a great service. Now, what's, now when you say create a, a men's salon, is that cutting hair? Is it manicure, pedicure? Like, what are the types of services that you started out with when you we first started? We started with a uh, haircut for men manicure pedicure then we grew from there slowly slowly until we reached to richard and uh, to do the woman's hair and today what's the full range of service that you offer at intercoupe spa ah, okay so it's hair uh, for men hair for women manicure pedicure for men manicure pedicure for women massotherapy aesthetic and everything so you've come quite a long way in the 40 years. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you first started 40 years ago, were you were working elsewhere at the time? How did you start your own business? What was uh, that first that that first I moment? wanted to create my own because it was a different atmosphere where I was working. I wanted to create a family and I wanted to I like to teach and I like to give a chance to new people who come into the business. And uh, I want to make sure that people who work with me try to stay and I try to keep them happy. I have people who are with me 30 years, other people 24, and I have a girl who works with me for manicure pedicure for men, which is exceptional. Usually they, they last five years, she's with me 24 years. Now let's, now let's talk about location because I, I understand there's huge loyalty and customer base, but location must play a bit of a role. You started out 40 years ago, 40 plus years ago. Where were you located then? 
I was look uh, when I started. When you first started. When I first started, I it was right there, not too far. And on the, on Decarry. On Decarry, yeah. I came back from downtown directly to Decarry because I believed more in Decarry. And uh, because I was doing women's hair from 1967 to 71. Then I went two years downtown and I said, I want to come back to Decarry because I felt that I could create what I want over there. And did you ever go back downtown in the no, years? No. Since then, I'm at my place seven days a week and I love it. Now, now, why why exactly to carry? Is it a focus? Uh, is it the location because it's central to where your customers are? Is it a parking issue? Why why that it's, location? It's center. First of all, it's centered. People pass by every day by the carry. Uh, I heard not too long ago that on on my boulevard there is eight thousand cars passing by in the front of the salon, and I knew that because I wanted to create something that people stay at the salon as a loyal customer for a long time. I didn't want uh, to lose customer every two years. I love people and I want to do their hair. And today I have customers who are fidel with me for 40 years. Was it difficult finding that first location dealing with the landlord, a lease? How was that experience when no, you first I, started? I had a good experience and I was known since I was young over there. And uh, the, the first guy trusted me to rent me the place. And from there it got too small and we moved bigger and bigger. And now I'm in a place where uh, it's a three floor and with full service salon. Is it, and dealing with the landlord, like, you know, you, your, your hair salon, your business is not, your business background is not writing leases or, or signing leases. Yeah. So how did you, but as an entrepreneur in the, in the metier and the, the, the passion that you love of cutting hair, how did you get to understand and deal with leases or did you have the right people around you at the time? I had the right people around me to advise me. And also I have, I had a certain instinct and uh, I knew the man who I rent from uh, today for 50 years and uh, he gave me carte blanche with his building. Excellent. We also have uh, Richard Zilber here, who is also part of Intercoop. Richard, tell me how you kind of got in or got back with Victor uh, yeah, over time. Yeah, recently, uh, a few months ago, I went back after I've worked in several salons in Montreal. Um, my career, which spans 34 years, 10 of those years, those last years have been in Montreal. It's my favorite city uh, from all the cities I've lived in. I just love Montreal. Um, I went back to Intercoup primarily because of the environment and the spaciousness and the quality and the, and the warmth. You know, I've, I've seen assembly line salons. I've seen a lot of people being processed in my history as a hairstylist, and that's just not what we do. What we do is we take an individual and we give them at one at a time. We give them the best we can, you know, and I have 34 years behind me as a technician, a colorist, a also a sculpt, I call it sculpting, but some people call it hair cutting. I consider it <laughs> hair sculpture. Uh, and doing that kind of work and making people happy, um, the environment is the right place for me. So sometimes you have to go a few places to know where you want to be. Fortunately, I've lived in many cities. That's why I have such a affinity for being here in Montreal. It's my favorite. When you when you came back, did you bring a change with you? you know, Intercoop has been known for many years to be a men's salon. When you came back, did you enhance on the on the women's side of of things? 
Well, yeah, because I specialize really in, uh, as a, I'm a cosmetologist licensed in the States. I mean, you know, my training is to work with women as a hairstylist. I, uh, you know, I also do sometimes men, but primarily I work with, with women and it, and it's just because, you know, it's, it's slightly different in a sense where the, the shapes and, and what women want in color is very different. You know, men may want a blended color. Women want hundred percent coverage. Women want curves and they want softness. Men want lines. They want masculine shapes so there is a, a whole artistry um, when it comes to doing women's hair and that's what I practice and that's what I do we're chatting with Victor Susana and Richard Zilber of Intercouple Spa more with them in just a minute and later in the show we'll talk about HR culture and conflict resolution all coming up on today's entrepreneur For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL's Josh Miller. Coming up in the program, we'll talk HR with Michin Mayette about a culture and conflict resolution. But for now, we're joined by Victor Susana and Richard Zilberg of Intercouple Spa. Uh, 40 years in business, uh, Victor, on to carry. And we're just talking during the break, Josh, about how we have all these Jewish Moroccan connections. Uh, do you find the, Did you find, uh, Victor, that when you got into the business, um, you had, uh, was it good to sort of get ingrained in into a cultural community and to sort of have the word spread like that? Yeah, definitely. That's when my reason coming back to Dakari was to service also my community mm. and uh, to give them a chance to uh, to meet each other. And that's what Intercoupe is. Many people come in to meet and to enjoy staying at the place. Now, there's no question that people have to find you. You know, it's great you have a, a loyal customer base, but it had to start somewhere. And, and marketing certainly must play must have played a large role over the 40 years. Very different today, I'm sure, than what it was. When you first started 40-plus years ago, do you remember what you used to do for marketing? We used to use newspaper, basically, local newspaper, like the Suburban, Canadian Jewish News, and uh, Hampstead Herald, and because it was a local. And it was very good, but over the year it changed, and uh, the, all the multimedia that was offered to me, I used them day and night to be able to go into a new era of uh, doing business. And today, and not just today, but certainly over the last several years, there's no question that the online marketing and 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 I look at Dan because that's you know your your passion as well. Uh, the social media. Uh, how have you kind of taken gone from that newspaper to social media was it a was it a difficult jump for you no i enjoyed because it keeps me busy i'm not a person who sleeps uh, much overnight and uh, so i went to look over it and i saw that it was great to go use whatever they offered me and are you active on social media now uh, yes day and night what do you do you get into any specific campaigns or any uh, like like what's your style when you're dealing with social media my style is to advise my customers and their friends because by reaching everybody on the same time, I've been able to attract a lot of new customers over the new uh, year. And uh, it worked. It really gave me what I was looking for. When you're, when you're looking at your, your customer base, there's, there's quite a variety of age, I would, I would imagine. What, what, would, what would you say is the variety or the, the range of age? The range of age would be from 30 to 65, 70 and also 
in the past two years, we've been attracting a lot of younger crowd, which is from 18 and up. Would you attribute that to your online, to the social media presence? Definitely. And when you when you say active, how much time do you devote? Can you figure out how much time you devote in a week? Uh, a lot a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they they say I want to do it, they say we want to be active, and uh, and I'm looking at both you, Victor, and I guess I'm looking at you too, Dan, because you guys know how much time and effort it takes to put into your social media campaigns. Um, how how much? Effort? I I'm on I'm online from six fifteen in the morning. And uh, I advertise what I need to uh, advertise for the day. And I mean every day. And at night also. And I prepare all the time something. I use everything that uh, is there. Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Are you buying ads as well? Do you purchase ads on Facebook? Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah we okay. do. We go, yeah, for sure. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And also by doing it this way, I've been make it more wide to reach my clientele and other people. Mm -hmm. because I use their friend over their friend over their friends. Now, there's also, do you, do you offer promotions? Is promotions, uh, like, you know, discounts every now and then, does that play a big role in, in your marketing? Absolutely. Groupon was a big help when a new hairdresser starts. Like Richard, when he first came in, had no clientele, like he said, coming from the States, from different salons and everything. And uh, I used Groupon, I used Living Social, I used NCrowd, I used all of them to create for new customers. And it really, really worked. Was it easy to find? Was it easy to deal with the Groupon? Like, how, how did you find it? Are you are you outsourcing, or you're just so resourceful? You're finding these on your own. I Groupon contacted me in the beginning, beginning when they came to Montreal. But after that, I went by myself and I discovered yeah. every time something. Yeah, he's resourced. That's a good. And word. I even did not too long ago my own intercoupon. Oh, which was a promotion intercoupon for Richard yeah he I really, called it intercoupon he really myself. does well I've worked in a lot of salons he really knows how to bring in people through that and he, he's enjoying it and he's relentless he doesn't stop with the, with that and he creates things he creates deals and a very he's very good at that and that's not my my field but I'm so happy that this is he's helped me he's given me so many upper, so many people and it was me and my responsibility to bring him back and I I have had a, a very high return rate because of the the quality of work and you you, you mentioned people Richard and and, and Victor too now uh, you know we just getting on that topic because there's no question you talked about a warm environment you talked about people wanting to come into the location people feeling at home and comfortable it takes the right people in your location to to create that that proper warm welcoming environment uh, Victor you know have you was it difficult to find your people over the years? And how do you keep them? Because uh, today, the hairdressers are very independent and they could work anywhere. So many, many years ago, I started to become, give them a condo-style operation. Each one has his chair and his own boss. By being serviced that way, they give me back in return a lot of service. And they feel independent, they feel like their own boss and they love it. If they're their own boss and they're operating in their own condo, do they still collaborate amongst each other? Because oh, yeah. you have different services, and I'm sure it's one customer that goes from one to the other. Mm -hmm. Do they do they still collaborate well together? Oh, yeah, we still even with the condo style operation, we still have Intercoupe first, which is uh, we all work for Intercoupe, including me. We all we we're not we're separate and together. This way they could be the artist that they want to. Because an artist, you cannot tell him what to do. He has to do what he wants to do. Is it difficult to work with artists? 
Uh, yes and no, but uh, I'm an artist myself, <laughs> so I have to. I could understand them. I relate to them. Passion abounding everywhere. No That's question right. about it. Coming up, we'll talk about some HR issues with Michin Mayette on culture and conflict resolution. And stay tuned for Victor and Richard's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur that's on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you on today's Entrepreneur. This evening, we have Victor Susana and Richard Zilberg of Intercoupe Spa. Their one piece of advice for today's Entrepreneur is on the way. But first, we welcome back Micheline Mayette, uh, HR consultant at FL, to talk about uh, culture and conflict resolution, Josh. And, you know, we're talking a little bit before for linking it back to intercoop and you know you have a you have a group of people operating in in a room or a few rooms they have different characters they're kind of the artiste type mentality mm -hmm. how do you how do you go about it what would you be some of your suggestions to entrepreneurs about maintaining a common culture mm -hmm. i mean i always say that culture really starts at the top and trickles its way down so i, I you know in this case you, know, you can really see with Victor, his warm personality and, and his fast on fire, him saying also that he's an artist, so he understands that environment. So I, I always say culture really starts at the top and it's really in the actions that you see and not in, you know, some companies will put values up or a mission up on their website, but it's really, you know, how people live from one day to the other in, in the actual actions and, and, you know, the behavior, the examples that they see from the top. It's also constant reinforcement, right? You can't just, you know, mm -hmm. set some example one day and then hopefully it'll last three years until you set it again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really varies from one type of environment to the other, but like we're talking here about maybe a more creative environment. Um, so, I mean, you have to give people the freedom and the leeway to be creative and to explore and try new things. Um, it doesn't mean that there can't be certain guidelines around that. So, you know, sometimes I see in tech companies where they want to have very flexible work hours, but there's a lot of unsaid rules in a work environment. And often it's the unsaid rules that end up creating the culture. So you could say, great, so people can work from wherever, whenever they want. So what if somebody doesn't answer um, a email from their boss all day, is that okay? And so people often will say, well, no, that's not okay. So often it's those unsaid rules that will actually, that need to be spoken to a certain extent and passed down, especially to new employees who are starting so that they, they can grasp this culture, this kind of intangible culture um, as early as possible. Now it's great when everybody's pretty much on the same page and they understand, but then there's times where people are on different pages and they don't necessarily understand the rules and then they start arguing with each other because they don't understand. And then we get to conflicts between between team members, between mm -hmm. employees. Uh, so we're kind of into this conflict resolution. Is it up to the employees to handle, the managers, the employer, the entrepreneur? How do you kind of navigate through that? It really just depends on, you know, what stage the conflict is at. So, I mean, if it's early on, I would say that if, you know, if there's a manager or somebody who, you know, sees what's going on, if there's a dispute of some kind, if the employees can't work, ideally the employees should be able to work it out themselves. But if they can't, then the manager should have, you know, alarm bells that are going off that, okay, there's a problem here and I might need to, to get involved and really to get involved as early as possible. So really time is the worst enemy of any type of conflict. Um, so when you see some disagreements brewing, 
it's best to, you know, if you need to encourage the people to talk together, try to find a resolution, or if not, then to get involved. Do you deal with it head on? Do you kind of play mind games? Do you take one aside and the other aside and mm -hmm. try and figure it out? Or it just kind of depends? Yeah, I mean, it really depends. I mean, there are certain stages of a conflict that you can be aware of to know kind of a, what stage your conflict is at. So if it's something... You know, sometimes it starts off one person doesn't like another. Somebody did something that the other person, you know, didn't appreciate. So often it starts off with some snubbing. So maybe one person kind of ignores the other person or gossips about them a bit. So, you know, often it starts very small. So a lot of people say, oh, it's nothing to worry about. Um, but then after there can be a confrontation, people can start building cliques, you know, against the other person. So once you start seeing... Um, that type of thing happening, then you know it's getting to become a more serious conflict and really management needs to get involved at that point, for Victor, sure. Victor, do you deal with issues head on? If there's any conflicts amongst your team, uh, or there isn't because it's such a warm environment, do you basically just try to deal with these issues head on? You have to deal with these issues, but to make sure these issues are not happening in my place is I make the rule, but I'm the first one to obey to the rule. I have to show them that me too, I obey. So it makes it easy for me to do or ask anything in the salon because of that. Now, Michelin, speaking of rules, I guess if you're a certain number of, of, of employees and you have a policy manual, mm -hmm. can you have, would you have these, these conflict resolutions, these kind of steps that employee can take to fix their problem? I mean, every company really by law should have some kind of policy on psychological harassment. So it's actually a law in Quebec. Um, so it's really important that every company have some kind of process that people should follow. I mean, the first stage can be for employees to try to work it out themselves. But that at a certain point, um, the employee needs to know who they should speak to if this happens. Um, and often, you know, it's funny, a lot of conflicts actually start off with some kind of lack of clarity. So it could be a policy that's not written and a little bit unclear. It could be unclear directives that are given to one person, the other person doesn't see it the same way. So often there's a lack of clarity that actually causes the conflict in the first place. So be clear, be consistent, and mm -hmm. be constant in your communication. And hopefully there's there's a, there's there's no conflicts that, that will arise. Thanks very much, Michelin. Yep, you're welcome. Uh, and uh, right now, you know, we'll we'll turn to to Victor and Richard, and uh, and maybe Richard first, and we'll ask you, Richard, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? Well, as a as a hairstylist, um, you know, this is a profession; it's a trade with uh, no limit to the uh, education that can be obtained. And my advice would be, if you're young and you're starting off, um, don't be disillusioned. There's a lot of hairstylists out there, but you can rise to the top by being with the best in the, in the industry and never giving up and every day working to make that day a stepping stone so you're better each and every day with your technique, with your capacity to make the person happy. It must be uh, uh, never, never stop going up because it's not all about, uh, it's about, it's not all about the, um, the, the earnings that you make. It's about also the, the quality of, of skills that you have as the years pass and it becomes so much fun when you have people that are so happy with the work you do. And that's why you're going to work because you're making people happy. So find the best and stick with them as a young person. Build it and it will come. And we'll turn to Victor Susana. And on your 40 years of experience, can you pick out one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? If you want to become a hairdresser today and be an entrepreneur or owner of a hair salon, I think you should be aware that it's a service. 
and you always have to be there to service your clientele. They expect you to be there and you it's normal to be there. I don't see it as a duty, I see it as a service. And if you're not there, and there not for one year or two years, but for many years. And make sure also you go to every hair show to renew yourself. You have to renew yourself, but respect, respect, respect is the number one rule. Excellent. Thanks very much, guys. Dan, the very quick takeaway is there's no doubt the level of passion that these guys have for, for their metier is is off the charts. Victor Susana and Richard Zilberg of Intercouple Spa on Carry. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you uh, Mission Mayette uh, as well at uh, HR and Nick Moretis on tax at FL for, for all their tips today. Uh, we're uh, off next week again. A bit of an irregular start to the season, unfortunately, but we have the municipal debate uh, next Monday night. So we'll be back in two weeks right here on Today's Entrepreneur. Don't forget to check out all the stories, eight years worth, at the community section at flmontreal.com. Have a good night.